Hello, DBs. It is I, Joey, ye old homosexual buzzard. I know a lot of you are thinking, where the sh- is today's episode. We're actually dark today because it's Labor Day. However, we have a bonus episode for you straight from our Patreon. It is American Detective Season 3, Episode 5, titled Bloodbath. I know, it's a terrible title. We hate it. We can't do anything about it. Text Joe Kenda, somebody. But we hope you enjoyed this episode. We love you all so much. Thank you for being the downest of bitches and enjoy American Detective. How do I? Why? What? What? Say goodbye. Well, it's broken. This one's broken. It's Joe Kenda. We're saying goodbye to Joe Kenda. Why is he going somewhere? It's our last American detective. <laughs> you just want an excuse to sing "Boys to Men." That's a fact. <laughs> Hello, Marie Marsh. Hello, down bitches. Welcome to the Drama Club. Welcome, Drama Club. Drama Club, if you could see Ellen right now, she's serving you a side swipe bang and a floral gown with a fall brown. You are ready for fall. I'm not ready for fall. Yeah. I don't like fall. Lola is a basic bitch. She loves fall. She wanted to decorate the house already for Halloween. Oh, I forget Halloween. Yeah. And I don't I don't like season pushing. Let the seasons come when they come. Don't put Christmas out in August. I'm looking at you, Costco. Season I, pushing? It's called season pushing. You're a pusher. You're a season pusher. Yeah, I like to experience the seasons. Why are we pushing? Why are we pushing time? Why are we pushing ahead? You're making me older right in front of my eyes. Yeah, no, no. Give me, give me summer. I like the warmth. I like the, I, I like the warmth. I like the heat. I like the sweat. I like the sweat. Yeah, sun's out, boobs out. How are you? I'm great. I'm wearing um, a baseball cap from perhaps the dumbest show I was ever yeah, in. Yeah, but this is the drama club. Tell them really fast your experience with that show. So I was in a show called Bad Out of Hell, which is based on Meatloaf's Bad Out of Hell album, um, where I. I understudied an 18-year-old frozen in time at 39 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and they hired me for the last two weeks because they were losing someone. They didn't tell me that I was the only understudy for the lead. And they're like, don't worry, he's not going anywhere. I'm like, that's funny. I was in Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. I expect the unexpected. And it did happen because his second show into his last week, he broke his foot. And I had maybe a 20-minute put-in where I had to go on for him. A put-in is where you get put into the show. But yeah. Joey literally went and like two days later, they're like, and you're on. Thank God. I did all the homework. I know. Thank God I learned everything. Even they're like, oh, you're fine. That's because like, you're a professional. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that was crazy. But you, it was fucking You texted stupid. me that picture and I was like, oh my God, what is happening? You're like, I don't know, but I'll, I'll let you know when it's over and I'll let you know if I make it through. And that is what we call show business, That's my right. The director was like, do you think you can handle this? I was like, sir, I survived Carrot Top in the 90s. I yeah. can survive anything. We're going to be okay. <laughs> anyway, Drama Club, I was speaking fact. This is our last American Detective. I'm going to miss this show. Maybe we'll come back to it one day. It is a fantastic show, especially because they bring out the cream of the crop detectives. And they these are people who are passionate about what they do, but also they have the most important component to any any human being on the planet. Empathy. Yeah, they really do. They really, really do. I think that is what that, I think that is what I love the most. But you're going to love something in this episode, and I'm not going to spoil it for you. I'll let you know when we come to it. Season 3, Episode 5, Bloodbath. I really hate it. I hate it. I really hate it. The only thing I'm not going to miss about this show is the titles. They're horrific. Yeah, I almost said titties. I'm not kidding. (laughs) 
So y'all know American Detective has no chill. They throw you right into the action. There's no Novocaine for the tooth extraction that is American Detective. So it's May 30th, 1999. We haven't done this in a while. The number one song was... I really hate that song so much. It makes me feel like I'm living La Vida Loca. Mm-hmm. And the I num- sang that on a cruise ship. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Yeah, the top harmony. They're like, oh, Ellen's sick. She's throwing up. It must be seasickness. No, it's singing this song. Yeah. And the number one movie was The Mummy. I saw it five times in the theater. Never once saw it. Brendan Fraser I, and I Rachel know who Weiss? was in it. Yeah. Yeah, you can say words to me. I'm still going to have not seen it. It's a great movie, and it it? still holds up. Do you like action movies? I do. Not my fave. Okay. But I do. But I love the ride. The Mummy? The ride at, oh, Universal Studios? Universal. Great ride. Great ride. Yeah. Well, our story today takes place in Little Compton, Rhode Island, which is a small beach town close to Newport. Yeah, I didn't know there were two... Comptons. (laughs) Comptons. <laughs> I had being from California. I was like, "There's another one." It's a little Compton. It's a little Compton. It's a little. Do you want to go to Compton? I'm gonna go to the little one. <laughs> <laughs> and we learned that 66 year old Angela Spenshaw works in a garden shop, but on Thursday, May 30th, she doesn't go to work. Joe Kenda says that's concerning. And I was like, could you imagine if one of us just didn't show up and we're like, okay, I guess guess I'll record by myself. No, like, just that would never show happen. show up for work. That would never happen. I would be, I, it, it would start out easy and be like, Ellen, where are you? Ellen, I'm getting worried. Ellen, are you on your way? Ellen, fuck you. Where yeah. the fuck are you? That's how it would go quickly. Okay, I guess I'll work today by myself. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way with us. It sure doesn't. <laughs> So a co-worker who went to DB University and majored in, don't make me come to your house to check on you because I will, mm-hmm. uh, she does just that. She knocks on Angela's door and there is no answer. The co-worker tries the door, finds it to be unlocked. Angela? Angela, are you up here? She pushes open the bathroom door. American detective. Joe Kenda is going to do butt stuff with you and he's not going to use lube. He's probably not even going to ask. No. Oh. Because she walks in on a deceased Angela in a bathtub covered in blood. And we're going to get to the bottom of this. I promise you that. Oh, we are. I mean, when they said that, I was like, no, Angela. And that's when we meet former Colonel Stephen Lynch of the Rhode Island State Police. And he is being interviewed in what looks like the dimly lit law offices of Law Law and More Law. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to miss trying to figure out where we are. Now, we are in Rhode Island, friends. Do you know where Rhode Island is on the map? It's somewhere in the north, east. Yeah. And uh, it's very close to Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Is it? And uh, I my son was <laughs> in Newport. You know, paddle burden, paddle burden, wake burden, boogie burden, water burden. <laughs> Waterboarding. That's interesting. Don't ask questions, Blue Eyes or Kids. It's a family tradition. Are you from the Northeast? No, I'm from the Deep South. You're from the Deep South. All right, let's keep it that way, all right? Oh, I'm so sorry. I was just curious who, this was a family activity, so who in your family were you waterboarding? Did I just say no questions, Blue Eyes? If you ask questions, I got to waterboard you with the cool water from Junkies, okay? (laughs) I'm sorry, Sharon. Okay, I just, it sounds interesting is all. What part of it sounds interesting? The the torture part? Okay. You got a lot of questions. You're mouthy. Oh, okay. We it's don't my play, job. 
You got a job? This is my job. Oh, all right. I thought you were on that, uh, what's that website, uh, OnlyFans? Oh, no. Because <laughs> you got one? <laughs> no, I'm not on OnlyFans yet, but there's always tomorrow. <laughs> Y'all, we really, really are here in Rhode Island with a Rhode Island accent because Stephen Lynch is here and he says he was the officer in charge. I was like, here we go. I, the minute he said that. You were like, Ellen is going to have a field day. Yep. Back in 1999. It's a holiday weekend. You ready for your game today? And uh, my son at the time was 12 years old. Hold on. And I was at his Little League baseball game and got the call as to what was starting to evolve down in Little Compton. Ah, shoot. I gotta go, sweetheart. As head of the major crimes unit, when you get the call, you go. Go get him, buddy. Bye, Dad. So they hit the ground running in this case. We learned that Sid Wardle is the detective. And at this time in Little Compton, there were only nine police officers on the force. This is a sleepy little town. Very. There hadn't been a homicide since the 1960s. Moreover, a lot of these cops haven't even seen a homicide. You know, they... The, the worst thing they've seen is jaywalking and uh, shoplifting. That was a summer that Barbara Babson's cat mysteriously uh, disappeared under suspicious circumstances. Oh, well, what do you think happened to the cat? Well, it turns out the cat was stuck in the sewer. Well, how did he get stuck in the sewer? It's, that's why it's suspicious, Blue Eyes. <laughs> they I'm only sorry. got nine cops. <laughs> Sorry. I couldn't figure it the fuck out. Oh, I'm sorry. Wow, Sharon, that mouth. The cat's mouth. fine. It's got a little bit of PTSD, but it takes cat to Xanax. What it's was fine. that cat's name? Yeah, whiskers. <laughs> <laughs> little Compton's in over its head. Absolutely. And Angela's house had been under construction, and they check out Angela's bedroom, and they find a tremendous amount of blood. And that room is white. Yeah. Why is that room so white? I know. I, I'm, it's very bold to have an all-white house. The set designer walked in and they're like, we can fuck this up with some ketchup. I mean, it's it was a lot. It was a lot. And at first they're wondering if maybe Angela fell and had an injury and ended up in the bathtub. Remember, they have not had a homicide since the 60s. They've never seen one. But the thing is, is... In an accident, you don't have time to take your bed sheets off the bed. No one is severely injured and going like, I need to go to the hospital. Oh, shit. I should wash the sheets. They have a very high thread count and they were made by NASA. Thank you, Miracle Sheets. Yeah. (laughs) No, they're going to seek help first. It was quite clear uh, to me at that point that something had, had gone wrong here and it wasn't by her own hand. There was a lot of things in that house that were of value. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a robbery. There was no theft. Uh, There was $500 left in her wallet, in her bedroom. All her jewelry was still there. There was no obvious motive here. So they go look at Angela, and they see that her bathroom is gorgeous. Yeah. That bathroom was gorgeous. It was stunning. It was, What was that grout? Was it eggshell? You know, honestly, I didn't look too closely because I was traumatized by this story. Yeah. It is, obviously. Obviously, I'm trying to lighten the mood here because they're looking at the body and this was no accident. It This is very upsetting. It's very vicious. Yeah. This woman was like, she experienced a lot of pain in her passing. Yeah. I mean, the tub had been filled with water and there was a hair dryer in it too. And like you said, when they look closer at Angela's remains, there's such severe blunt force trauma. One of Angela's friends worked on the rescue team and she was like, I can't even recognize mm-hmm. her. That's what they're dealing with. So this is no robbery. This is no accident. 
this is a homicide. Yeah. And a brutal one. Very, very brutal. So they go and break the news to the sons, and the reenactment sons are here, and I have two words. Ginger! (laughs) I love a ginger. I love a ginger. Me too. They were so cute. Mm -hmm. So cute. You know gingers are going to be extinct. I know. I know. (laughs) And... Why do people think we go off topic? I don't know. Lynch is informed that the victim is Angela Spence Shaw, an immigrant from Great Britain who came with her then-husband to live in the United States. Her first husband passed away. She remarried, and her second husband also passed away. So she came to live in the village of Little Compton as a widow. Like, lived a very simple New England life. Quiet life. She worked at the garden shop, kept a low profile, but she was kind, and she was very close to her two sons and her grandkids. And her sons are like, We have no idea who would do this, why they would do this. Her life was so quiet. Like, she she had no enemies. Gardening, cooking, rocking chairs. Do people still play Mahjong? What's that? I I don't know. They played Mahjong. We should play Mahjong. Mahjong sounds like something you need penicillin for. No, Mahjong is like a game. Okay. Uh, Okay. You you need culture. (laughs) You you know there is other things other than Grindr, right? Yeah. Golden Girls. Now, shut up. So... (laughs) Colonel Steven was like, I was heartbroken for this family, mm-hmm. and I I was determined to solve this case. And so now detectives get a report from the medical examiner's office, and it is awful. Awful. Ang- Angela had been sexually assaulted, and they found semen in her body. What? So I, I, I know. I was like, what? the things this woman went through. I know. And so immediately, they begin looking for sex offenders in the area, and they find one who lives there. One. I- named- Can we all move to Little Compton? I mean. There's one? One. Could you imagine being the one? I would not even want to look it up in New York City. Oh, no, absolutely not. But if you're looking for a really safe town, except for this, go to Little Compton because they only have one registered sex offender. Yeah, and his name was Patrick Zimmerman, so they go and speak with him. So they go to the home and they ask him about Angela. We'd like to ask you some questions about Angela Spence Shaw. What if he notices the neighbor lady? What if he notices that nobody's ever around but her? Is it an opportunity? Of course it is. Look, guys, my wife's about to get home, and I really don't want to explain to her why the cops are here. There are so many things that I have learned doing true crime. One of them is that you can just be like, hey, guys, hey, officers, how how's your Tuesday going? Sorry about this devastating news and this crime. I would love to help you out today. Today is not the day. Yeah. Today is not the day for me. My wife is on her way home. I don't I don't have time for this. What? Yeah, oh, I'm so sorry. Are we inconveniencing you? Yeah. A woman was sexually assaulted and murdered, and you're the only violent, by the way, he's a violent yeah. sex offender, registered in this area, but this is a bad time. I'm so sorry. Why don't you come over later, and I'll make you some steak tips in my air fryer and some tater skins. I got a great recipe off of TikTok, and then we can chat about the social significance of the Barbie movie. Yeah. Does that sound good to you? <laughs> no, bitch. You want to exonerate yourself? Come down to the station yeah. with us and give us a blood sample, and he I does. Just, I never understand. People are like, no. Not today. Yeah. I just didn't know that was an option. I figured if the cops say, come talk to me, you have to go talk to them. Anyway, he did. And they get a blood sample. It doesn't match. I mean, you are still a violent piece of shit sex offenders. Please stay away from places of worship, schools, libraries, and playgrounds for the foreseeable future. You are a pig. However, you did not murder Angela. Yeah. So now the story hits the news and the town is beside themselves. I mean, remember... 
It's been almost 40 years since there was a homicide in this little quiet town. But there was a time that Jimmy Nobles stole the old man with his garden gnome back in 89. Wow. Was that like a big deal? It was a family heirloom. Oh. Okay? Oh. And Jimmy Withers cracked it. It came back. It was never the same. Oh, my God. But can I just ask you, are you saying Withers or Weathers? Oh, man, Withers. His name's Cal. Cal? Cal! <laughs> Don't make fun of my accent. Cal Withers. I'm not. I'm just trying to be thorough in this conversation. I want to be, I want you to know I'm invested in this conversation. So nah, I'm just asking. you're patronizing me. I can see it. You know what's going to happen? What? You're going to get an ass full of Dodge Dart. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. How you do you know I don't already have an ass full of Dodge Dart? You got an ass full of something, Blue Eyes, huh? <laughs> Huh? I know you get around. You Sharon. guys don't, don't give me a New England accent. She's insufferable. You've got to take what you've got and get creative with it. Yeah, I got something. What you got? What about the only other guy in town who's committed a murder? Just throwing it on the table, you know, we have this individual. Who's that? Stanley, Stanley Gindro. That uh, committed the only other murder in Little Compton. And his family lives almost right across the street from the victim's house. What? Yeah, that's the thing. Investigators have very little to go on, but there's a man who lives in the town named Stanley Gendro, and he was a known murderer who was in prison for a long time. He did that murder back in the 60s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. Yeah. He, he did the murder. He's like, you know what? I love this town. <laughs> I know I did murder here once, but I ain't leaving for nothing. Yeah. Okay? It's gorgeous, and I dare you to find a better lobster roll. Yeah, truly. And that garden gnome, I have, I'm attached to it. Yeah. I have their sentiment there, even the crack in it, okay? I'm the one who put the crack in it. So his family, also, this murderer, Stanley, lives basically across the street from Angela. So here's the story on Stanley. He committed this murder in 1965. He was obsessed with an 18-year-old girl who worked as a babysitter. And so he kind of like had this infatuation with her, mild stalking, and he had been watching her and following her. And when she refused his advances, he hit her in the head with a rock and left her for dead. Yeah. And he served his time, though, and he's out of prison and decided to just chill in Little Compton. Well, he was visiting his family. That's the crazy thing. He actually had been in town when Angela was murdered. Also, something that you have to take into consideration is, is that this crime was similar to Angela's in, in the way that she had been beaten to death. Yeah. And so... They... I'm also curious about Stanley's dad, the reenactment actor, because if it happened in 1965 and we're in 1999, the guy playing Stanley's dad looked like 60 years old tops. Honey, don't try to do the math on these shows. I know. They're, they're scraping the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. They're like, who's available? <laughs> uh, my cousin Bob is... Bob's great. Bob's great. Bob is great. Can you say words? Great. <laughs> He actually only speaks Yiddish. They're like, we'll make it work. Yeah. Let's go. Lights, camera, action. Yeah. We're looking for your son, Stanley. What a Shonda. Yeah. <laughs> How's it going, sir? We're looking for your son, Stanley. He's not here. Upon speaking to the parents, we actually learn that Mr. Gendro had been in town uh, just a few days earlier. I'm not sure when he'll be back. It raised suspicion because we weren't able to find him. Well, if you hear anything, then let us know. Stanley's looking more suspicious than a clown in the woods offering free hugs. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so they sit there in the episode and they're like guessing where he might have gone. They're like, huh, we're in Rhode Island. What about uh New York? New Park? Ah, uh, Boston Mass. Uh Warwick? <laughs> 
Providence? What about Gloucester? P-Town? No, that's where the homosexuals are. Uh, Swampskit. <laughs> what? Uh, maybe Schenectady. Right? I hear Connecticut is great this time of year. <laughs> they got a great fall foliage tour. <laughs> I'm like, are you guys just throwing out cities? Yes, like, yes they are. Go? They are. The script is not that thorough. They're like, how good are you at improv? Even Bob the Yiddish actor, he can he can do a little improv. Muzzle up, muzzle up. So while they're throwing out just random, random names cities. cities, um, the full autopsy comes in. Y'all, we really are trying to lighten this up because it's dark. Angela's cause of death was blunt force trauma and drowning. And it turns out that Angela had also been electrocuted. It was just so unnecessarily violent. Who would do this? I, I, I mean, I know that that's the term not even the over- worst of it. Yeah, I mean, I know that the term overkill sounds like I don't know if that sounds inappropriate, but it is that. Yeah. It's like it's unnecessary. It's, it- yes. Yeah. It's rage. Yeah. And they also report that her organs were ruptured. And the way they explained it, there was like, they basically explained to us that like no human, no normal human would have the force or the impact in order to hurt her insides the way that they did. So the only conclusion they could draw was that she was jumped on. Literally. Many times. Yeah. It's 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 inconceivable. It's, it's literally beyond belief. Yeah, get me through to violent fugitives, will you? We brought violent fugitive detectives into this case. Members assigned to that unit get very good at tracking people who don't want to be tracked. They have to find him right away because he's going to do this again. Detectives bring in violent fugitive detectives to work on this case, and their job is very specific, and they are very good at their job. They th- Their job is to pick up a trail, and, and they do, you know. So back to Stanley Gendro. It takes them a few days. They track him down, and he's like, I know you're looking for me. I want to talk to you. They bring him in, and they question him. And they were like, where were you on the night of the murder? And he says, I was home reading a book. A great alibi. Yeah. Honestly. I mean, it's 1999. There's no TikTok. What else? are you going to do? So like, oh, right. Okay, Michael Crichton. Did you read the Jurassic Park? Is that what you did? Were you reading some um, John Grisham, The Runaway Jury? Exactly. And he was like, listen, I learned my lesson in prison. I know you think because I'm the murderer in the town, I'm the one murderer and there's that one sex offender guy. You think it's me? It's not. So ask me any question. Do whatever you want to do because it wasn't me. Ask me anything. And he takes a poly. They take a blood sample. It's not Stanley. He wasn't lying. He's still a piece of shit, but this time he wasn't lying. So now detectives are like, all right, well, we've got to go back to the drawing board. And well, they said they were going to start over. I'm like, you didn't really start. You didn't really take any evidence. You were just like, let's find the two bad guys in right. town and ask them. Right. It just, I was like, you didn't, that wasn't a very good start if that was your start. Yeah. You know? And so they go back to the crime scene and they re-examine it. We knew the house was under construction. But one thing that we didn't know was that they were in the process then of breaking through a wall to connect the addition to the existing home. It wasn't secured by any type of lock. So that was a vulnerability that happened at the house that was unique. Think our killer could have entered here? Literally anyone could walk in. And the problem is... It was like a tarp. Yeah. It was like a tarp hanging in front of her house. Yeah, well, the possibilities of suspects are endless now because it could be anyone who happened to drive by, walk by, bike by, yeah. and see an opportunity. Who would just leave that? They were like, ah, it's Compton. Just yeah. leave the trap up there. Well, to be honest, I think it was that because when her coworker came to her house, the front door was unlocked. She let herself in. So I do think that because, you know, I understand that. If there hadn't been a murder in almost 40 years and it's this quiet little town and I feel safe, be like, I mean, it's fine. Yeah. You know? <laughs> they were like, was it a break-in? No, it was a walk-in. 
What do you mean? No, there was just a curtain. They just walked in. I mean, that is my worst fucking nightmare. It was really quite scary. I I get it. I get that false sense of security in a quiet town. But how many stories do we have that start with it was a quiet town where nothing happened? And you know what? That's again, you know, when people when people criticize true crime for like you're using this as a form of entertainment. Actually, no, these people's stories deserve to be told. And also you're educating people on how to be safer, Mm -hmm. how to be a better drawer and things like this. I understand that because I grew up in a neighborhood where we didn't always lock our doors. You think I don't double bolt my doors? I Y'all lucky I don't push my dresser in front of my door now <laughs> yeah, at night. Exactly. So now investigators focus on anyone who ever worked on that home, and they also canvassed the neighborhood. Now, this is a heavy episode, so I feel like it's the perfect time to take a lady music break because we hear reenactment Detective Steven say this. Man, and I want you to run up that hill. You talk to that neighbor first. Copy that. Hit it! Be running up that road. Be running up that hill. Be running up that building. You know, I love... Kate Bush, she was the original Tori Amos. She really was. I love Kate Bush. They tell us that the crew at their house consisted of 30 people. 30. Is that a lot of people? What are they building? What are they building there? A high rise? What are they building in there? A widow's peak? What, what, are, you, what, are, you, what are you building? A bungalow? What are you building? A bomb shelter? What, what, what are you building? A gazebo? What? Are you, I wish it was a gazebo. <laughs> I love a gazebo. They're very romantic. Did you see the sound of music? We have 16 going on 17. What are you guys building? 30 people? What are you, what are you building? A dormitory? <laughs> What was was 30 people building in this little town? They're like, I need a job. You know what? Come work on Angela's house. We need four people. (laughs) 30 people? So, you 30 workers, what were you guys building? Ah, a spice rack. (laughs) So, they had been working on Angela's home for three months. So You would think 30 people would be able to, like, hot to it a little bit faster. Don't you guys have some other kind of yurt to go build somewhere? So, two of the people on the list... Are the people that actually cut this hole in the wall? Does that make them uniquely more suspicious than the others? No. But if you're picking someone to talk to first, let's pick the guys that made the hole in the wall. So they talked to a man by the name of Kevin Moore and Jeremy Matika. And they were construction pals, you know, smoking cigarettes, catcalling, you know, whatever construction workers do. And um, they sit them down and they were like, where were you the night of the murder? And Kevin was like, I was at my girlfriend's house. They check it out and his alibi clears. And then they chat with Jeremy, who lives in Massachusetts, just right over the state line. They pay him a visit at his home and they say he looked like a sweet guy. And, and angelic is the word I believe they use. Yeah, blonde hair blue eyes that checks out because nobody with blonde hair and blue eyes that's handsome they don't do murdery stuff yeah yeah of course so it was like oh whatever i'll talk to this guy for five minutes yeah <laughs> so he had no visible injuries that indicated like a defensive wound when asked where he was jeremy says oh i worked till 3 30 p.m then i went home started to drink with the neighbors next door and we drank all night and the next day he went to visit his girlfriend in cape cod or the cape as they call it. Oh, you look good in those thong sandals. I I got them at the Cape. <laughs> oh, you like this wooden boho chic American flag on my wall? I got it in the Cape. <laughs> you like my mouth sores? I got them the in the Cape. cape. <laughs> and his alibi seems specific. Very. But... but- easily checked out. Yeah. So they bring in his girlfriend and she corroborated everything. She was like, yeah, I think he was like drinking till one. And she's like, well, at least that's what he he told told me. me. And in the morning, he drove to the Cape. I mean, obviously he picked up some lovely crab dip. Yeah. 
And How could you not? Had lobster dip. Because you're in the cave. Yeah, in the cave. <laughs> uh, do, do you summer in the cave or Nantucket? Also, Jeremy was sick all day and barfed all day and he was in bed all day, which he failed to mention. So now investigators are like, you know, his girlfriend feels- was like, and he was sick. Obviously, poor thing. He was hungover. He was drinking rum and pineapple, Malibu pineapples. Everyone gets sick from those. Well, they were like, yeah, he failed to mention that. So they were like, you know what? We should just go ahead and do a criminal background check on him. But and- the good looking guys don't do crimes. So that's silly. Yeah, of course. They do a background on Jeremy Matika. He has a criminal record. He was arrested for kidnapping and assaulting a woman in Massachusetts. A history of violence toward women. This case is extreme violence toward women. That's a clue in the murder business. Weird. A violence towards women. Okay, that did that 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 was a shock. I did not see that coming because he was so pretty and good looking. Uh, but can I just say, we see like a picture of him. He looks very sweet, handsome, and innocent because he looks so young. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But this, he ain't so innocent because homeboy was arrested for kidnapping and assaulting a woman in Massachusetts. Yeah. So they were like, turns out we we did some research and. Handsome guys can do crime. Yeah, I don't care if you do look like a Botticelli masterpiece. You, you, you yeah. do bad things. Yeah, so they were like, let's go back and ask him some more pressing questions because we really didn't take him seriously the first time. And they were like, okay, you got off work at 3.30 and then what? And he's like, well, I... I happened to stop at a bar for some drinks, and I don't remember the name of it. Yeah. They were like, this this town has two bars. Yeah. Name a bar. Okay. Uh, yeah, literally. It's the, the Lickety Splits, which is just happens to be, it's it's a bisexual bar. Yeah. And then there's the- um The Slippery Gallbladder. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's a family name. The Slippery Gallbladder? Don't ask questions. If you're not here, you don't know the story of it. Because what happened was the owner of the Slippery Gallbladder, uh-huh. when he, ha- he had to have his gallbladder removed due to an unfortunate golfing accident. <laughs> okay. And when they when they took out the gallbladder, it fell on the ground and they said, Slippery little circus. I can't with you. And then he's like, that is a funny name. And he opened a bar right where the gallbladder fell on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a hospital slash bar. Yeah. Okay, got it's it. A, it's a really cute joint, but they have karaoke every other Tuesday. <laughs> he says he ordered a pizza that night, and the local shop should know that. Again, trying to provide himself with an alibi. You sit tight. We're gonna look at it. Trying to get out of him the things that we could track down and verify whether that was what happened. He was like, yeah, 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 call them. Call- pizza because he was like so looking for an alibi he knew what they were pressing he's like i ordered a pizza call the pizza place they'll have it on record yeah you can check it out you can check it out for me thank you for the advice jeremy i appreciate that advice we'll go ahead and call them and while we do that maybe you have some more advice for me or maybe you can teach me how to enjoy any performance by ben platt and they're like ah yeah ah Mm, Lois, we have record of Jeremy uh, ordering a pineapple pizza, and um, but it was the night before. Was that better? No. Not even a little? No. It was the night before. So they're also like, Jeremy's story kept having inconsistencies. Now, here's the thing with inconsistencies. Yep. They're not big ones. They're not like, you know, I went to the zoo when you actually went to the grocery store. It's like his car was green and it was, bl- you know, it's it's tiny, tiny little details, just little things that they're like ticking off in their mental checklist. Uh, let me tell you something. If th- the cops are looking for you to lie, yeah. they're looking for those little inconsistencies because the minute they get one, baby, you better believe they are 
are going to look over your story with a fine-tooth comb. And one lie is hard enough to keep track of. Several lies and your story's changing. It's not going to bode well for you. And your stories are stupid. Yeah. And so what they know for sure is Jeremy left his job at 3 p.m. He definitely was hanging out with those neighbors next door from 6 p.m. until at least midnight. So that's it. Jeremy can't account for those hours between midnight and 9 a.m. And that's a lot of hours. Yep. Nine hours is a long time to get up to some shit. Just ask me, uh, my shifts at the Gossip Bookstore were nine hours. And I wreaked <laughs> havoc in the Focus on the Family section. Okay? Detective Tella. Jeremy Matika has a co-worker named Kevin Moore, who the police had already talked to and already eliminated. Thought I'd just give you a call. What's going on? Yeah, Jeremy's been acting weird the past He calls me to tell me that Jeremy was acting suspicious, you know, just uh, different while on the job. You know, for a pretty boy, he's not acting very pretty these days. He's been nervous. He's been jittery. And he has been saying weird things at work. Like, well, obviously I have a criminal record, so the police are going to be trying to pin this on me. And they were like, dude, do you want Potbelly or Arby's? Yeah. Kevin's taking lunch orders. Yeah. Kevin's like, bro. You have nothing to worry about. Yeah. Like, they're not going to find your shit up there. You never went up there. Yeah. And and they were like, he's like, okay, but the cops are out to get me. And they, he's like, you know, they questioned all of us, right. right? Why are you freaking out? And he's like, well, it's not like I would ever touch like an old lady like that. Why I wouldn't sexually assault the lady. And they're like, how'd you know she was? He's like, oh, what times did Potbelly get here? Like, just <laughs> weird shit. And Kevin is a down bitch. Yeah, he is. Because Jeremy gets more aggravated and says, well, they're going to find my fingerprints in that bathroom because I use it sometimes. And Kevin was like, that's suspicious. That's weird. Because Kevin's thinking, I'm with you all the time. I work next to you. I've never seen you go up there. And here's where things get really weird. So they're finishing Angela's house. I guess the construction... Well, they're going to sell it. Yeah, was was going on. And there's a box there that's labeled shoe imprints. And Kevin was like, one day I heard Jeremy sort of like yelling at his girlfriend to take his work boots to her parents' house in Cape Cod. Kevin's going to... Someone send Kevin a fucking down bitch t-shirt. I mean... He's doing it. him some Krispy Kreme. Yeah. And also some of our merch. What merch do you think he would like? Hoity toity woman. And I'm like, if you've got nothing to hide, why are you getting rid of your work boots, bro? So of course they bring Jeremy's girlfriend back into question and they're like, hey, why does Jeremy want you to make his work boots disappear? And she's like, I have no idea. I have never done this before him. And yes, it's fucking suspicious. In my mind, as an experienced homicide detective, Jeremy's become more than someone of interest. Jeremy's the guy. It's him. He knows it's him, and he's afraid we're figuring out that it's him. Now we got to figure out how to prove it. We knew that there was that one element of evidence that he could never walk away from, and that's his DNA profile being in, in our victim. And here's the thing. They don't have a warrant. They don't have enough to warrant a warrant. Mm-hmm. You see what look I Look at you. You look so proud. Thank you. I love it when you act all law enforcement-y. I know. I've been practicing at the offices of law, law, and more law for a while. <laughs> I actually loaned them my offices for this interview. So, turns out Jeremy had given his blood to the hospital to be cleared of suspicion because everyone, I think all the construction workers had elected to, you know, hand over blood samples. But this dum-dum was thinking that they were going to compare his blood to that of the blood found at the crime scene. He didn't think about the semen sample they found. Yes, thank you, sir, for being a tree stump. Yep. And not knowing that anybody 
bodily fluids can show your DNA. Jeremy, you have all the sense of a barefoot man working in a nail factory. <laughs> Sorry, this is stupid. <laughs> and it was a fucking match. What the actual fuck? So they arrest him. Yeah, and charged him with first-degree murder and first-degree sexual assault. And so they interrogate him. And Jeremy comes up with the dumbest explanation. Please sit down. I mean, wherever you, you know what? We we should pray. Let's yeah. just pray. Dear Whitney Houston. Baby Whitney Houston. Uh-huh. Please mm-hmm. forgive this man for all the stupidity that uh-huh. is about to come out of his mouth. He does not know. He is a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, beautiful white boy so who's never gotten in trouble a day in his life. Well, he did. He's not that smart. <laughs> And this is the story he came up with as to why poor Angela had his semen inside of her. Help him, Jesus. Amen. Yeah. He said that the morning of the murder, he had had sex with his girlfriend before work, and he'd used Angela's bathtub to wash up. So that's why his semen was found in Angela, because he says she took a bath after he showered. Because that's how semen works. I think he smoked his breakfast and he was hoping that these detectives smoked their breakfast too. Guess what? They did not. Because Joe Kenda is me. Joe Kenda says... What? And then Joe Kenda says... That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life and I've heard a lot of dumb things. Same Joe. Same. Joe, I... I've been a lot of places with a lot of really dumb people. And I've heard a lot of really dumb excuses. I've been married and had several relationships. And I've been in Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. I know dumb. That is the dumbest thing. Mm -hmm. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points. And may God have mercy on your soul. (laughs) Yeah. They were like, what the fucking psycho did you just say? Well, when I tell you guys, Jeremy is an absolute sociopath. A sociopath does not feel empathy. And they will reach for the sun, moon, and stars for any insane story as to why it's not me. You got the wrong guy. They will gaslight you. They will turn the tables on you. Jeremy is a textbook sociopath. Yeah. And he's like, you guys are falsifying these results. Those results aren't even real. He keeps saying, I didn't do it. You're trying to blame this on me. And it's like, the match is 99.9999994% Jeremy. Have fun in jail, dude. Also, do you know if that were the case? If you could get pregnant because somebody washed their semen off of them in a tub and a woman? Do you know how many pregnant people there would be? Yeah. I would be pregnant. Yeah. And even Detective Joe is fed up. Go to jail, Jeremy. Do not pass go. Do not collect $100. Just go to jail and stay there until you die. Agreed. Attacking a grandmother. Like, she brought you lemonade every day on the fucking construction site. And you not only assaulted her and then killed her violently. Yeah. You killed her many, many times. They couldn't even decide what the actual thing was that killed her because you hurt her in so many different ways. And taking advantage of someone. Now, listen, she's 66. Like, uh, my mom is is 70. Sorry, mom. But she's still older. She's still weaker than you. You can still overpower her. He was 22 years old. Yeah, he knew exactly what he was doing. He was there every single day. He knew her habits and her vulnerability with the work being done in her house. So we get the story based on the evidence of 
of what the detectives believe happened. The day of Angela's murder, Jeremy leaves work at around 3, 3.30 p.m. and he starts drinking heavily. And he broke into Angela's, I mean broke in, remember the tarp situation. Yeah. He basically just moved the curtain and walked in. He knew how easy it was going to be. And, and then he assaulted her. Now this fucking piece of gravel stuck on the heel of my shoe took the stand. Took the stand. Denying it all. You know, I, I don't mean to like beat a dead horse. We see the video of Jeremy in court and what's so terrifying is the fact that Jeremy looks like a student, mm-hmm. a neighbor, a nice guy you work with, your barista, your tutor. It's terrifying to think that someone who looks just like an ordinary guy can be filled with such vile. You 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 expect a murderer to look like dirty, scary, evil, yeah. suspicious, like a demon. Yeah. And the detectives did not lie when he said, Jeremy looked like an angel. It's actually terrifying. Mm-hmm. It is because you know that anybody is capable of that. Your brain tells you that. But we have some image of what a villain looks like in our head. It's not that guy. No. And and that's the, the, the truth is, is that every human being, we all have light and dark in us. And it's, you know, you can choose your powers for good or for evil. People are capable of all kinds of things. If given the right situation, it, it's kind of terrifying. And so I, I know... I, I keep saying this guy looks like an angel, but it, what's scary is, is, and I'm not trying to scare you all, but you have to have your defenses up because you never know what people are capable of. Yeah. You truly don't. Despite the fact that he doesn't want to own up to his responsibilities, I felt very confident that um, Jeremy Motika uh, would be found and held accountable for what he did to Angela Smith-Shaw. Jury finds the defendant guilty of murder in the first degree. Count two, the jury also finds the defendant guilty of first-degree sexual assault. They convict him and send him away forever. You know, Jeremy never gave a confession, and I keep thinking about her sons who just want answers. And, you know, it's crazy to me that there are people out there who can convince themselves of a lie Mm -hmm. the way that they do, the way that Jeremy did. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that by the end, he believed his innocence. He believed that he didn't do... It it is sociopathic. Yeah. It's terrifying to me because you and I always talk about this. I can't stand when people lie to me. Mm -hmm. I get it. People lie. We've all lied. And sometimes you get caught in a situation and you say dumb mm-hmm. things, but something like this, where you stole a mother and a grandmother, it's, the least you yeah. can do because you're going to spend the rest of your life in jail because yeah. the evidence is there, buddy. It doesn't matter what your story is. 99.9% match. The least you could do is say, all right, I did it yeah. and I'm sorry. But he's not sorry. No. Personification of evil. And that family had to sit through that trial. So I have a couple things, a couple research bits for you. So remember his really clever, really believable story about having sex with his girlfriend and the, and the semen swimming. I saw it. Yeah. Well, you should write a like, murder movie, my friend, because his girlfriend testified they didn't even have sex that day. Yep. So cool story, bro. Yeah. And do you know that he got another trial? Well, he appealed in 2006 and said he was intoxicated the night of the murder and should have been charged with voluntary manslaughter because of his diminished capacity due to being drunk, right? Mm -hmm. And he said he was driven to alcohol abuse because he was abandoned by his father as a boy and his stepbrother died of suicide. Oh! 
Got it. Okay. All right. Thank you. I'm so sorry. Yeah. yeah okay. So that is so yeah. something bad happened to you, so you can justify the brutal yeah. murder and sexual assault of a 66 year old yeah. woman. You were too intoxicated, but also you cleaned up your crime scene. Yeah. Okay. Got yeah. It. No appeal was thrown out. Then in 2017, uh-huh. an attorney said that he should get another trial because his post conviction was dismissed without an evidentiary hearing, which they were like, you don't have enough to merit an evidentiary hearing, but thanks for playing our game. And he also said that he blames his lawyer for not having the DNA evidence stricken. What? In, you mean the evidence? You mean, so you didn't want any evidence? They're like, no, uh, they don't get to have evidence in my trial. <laughs> Do you know that this man, the reason that he put her in the bathtub? The whole point of him putting her in that tub was to wash away the scene. He was trying to clean up as best he possibly could what he had done. He wants the police to believe it's an accident. This man is missing some colors in yeah. his in his coloring box. Yeah. He he is he is eating pudding with his fingers in prison because yeah. he remains incarcerated in maximum security prison and that is where he will have his last days and breathe his last breaths. Bye-bye, Jeremy. Thanks Good for coming. Bye. I mean, not th- fuck you for coming. Yeah. The, the violence of this crime. It was very upsetting. It is very upsetting and it's like there's no excuse for this. No, there those, is zero excuse. That family having to think about because death scares us all in in every way. There's no good way to go, right? And just thinking of somebody's last moments and how scared and confused he attacked her while she was asleep. Yeah. How scared she was. It's also just... It's so unfair. It's very unfair. And also, she was so vulnerable. Yeah. And and we've covered so many cases where people were vulnerable. I mean... Again, we talk about this all the time. I can't put myself in the mind of a crazy person. I just can't imagine hurting someone who is so vulnerable and just like, I just want an extension on my house. Yeah. I just want to have probably a space for my kids or my grandkids. grandkids, You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway. Say something funny. Actually, I'm going to turn the tables on you because I feel like Sharon might have something funny to say. Well, I'm actually glad you said something. (laughs) Because I feel the best couple of months you haven't really, you personally, oh. haven't given me a lot of affection. Oh. And I got great affection for you, Blue Eyes. I'm the one who gave you this job. Oh, you did? Yeah, I put in a good word for you. You d- Well, thank you very much. How could I show you more affection? You can get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you bother me. Okay, I regret my decision immediately. Why don't you go fix my carburetor? Why don't you make yourself useful? Go fix my dad. I don't think they make a carburetor for Dodge Darts anymore, dear. He got some fucking nerve. (laughs) He got some fucking nerve. You better sleep with one eye open, blue eyes. Okay, Sharon. (laughs) I'm telling you, that kid's no good. He's from the South. Never want a cargo pad a day in his life. Oh, thank God for a New England accent. Oh, man. This was a doozy, dude. I know. Oh, my God. Poor Angela. Anyway, um, we got through it. We did. And this is the end of American Detective. And do you think they're going to like our new show? I think they will. I think they will, too. Because we are covering Everybody loves Raymond. (laughs) Which is a true crime of television. We can't wait to see you in the Patreon. No, we are covering. 
covering season 10 of Disappear. Yes. We're going to have Christopher back. We're going to have our old stomping grounds. Yep. That is our next Patreon series. We cannot wait to go back in time. Gotta go back in time. We love you now, bitches. We love you, DBs. Thank you for being you. We really are so, we talk about this all the time, how grateful we are for the community that we have. And all that love that you send us, we're sending it right back. And we get beautiful messages all the time about what this community has done for you. But I need you to know this community has done so much for us. And that's because of you. Yeah. And you've done so much for me. You gave me chlamydia. Anyway, (laughs) I I love you, Dell bitches. Love y'all. Love you, Joey. Love you, Ellen Marsh. Bye. Bye. Bye.